Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you guys again, and uh, it's good to have Pastor Roy and his good wife uh, uh, here as well. And uh, I just uh, am very desirous that, uh, just give me a little more volume, would you please? I'm, I'm not, uh, thank you. Um, I'm just very desirous that the Lord would use our time together. I believe he is already using our time together. He is blessing our time. But uh, I want to talk to you about what if and uh, Pentecost, the power to change. Because there really is uh, uh, a power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit that will help us change. As we heard in a testimony already today, what a fantastic testimony just to hear that little bit. And I believe what he's saying. I totally believe what he's saying. That if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit, he would have got sucked back in to that uh, godless environment that uh, was stealing his life. And I'm glad to report to you that not only years ago, but also in this present day, God is still delivering people. He actually is. He's actually still delivering people. One of these days, maybe you'll hear a, a testimony from my own son, Adam who is here, and he just finished his first uh, year in college, as I told you last week, in Vanguard. Uh, but when you hear his testimony, you will hear how God still delivers, how God still sets people free. And when there is no hope, there is still hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't ever think that there isn't. Some of you in here, you have loved ones that are, they're just out there, and you are, you're just, you're worried sick about them. Uh, you, I mean, the truth be known, I mean, you may say, bless God, hallelujah, I'm okay. But inside, you're just crying and screaming because you're afraid of what's going to happen to your loved one. We've been there. We understand that. And I just want to remind you that at the end of the day, God gets the last word. Amen? God does get the last word. And he is worthy of our trust. And so I, I'm glad that you alluded to this wonderful wedding yesterday. I didn't get up at 4 a.m. And, and watch the wedding, but I did watch it later. All two and a half hours, I watched it. I was amazed at how Christ-focused the wedding was. It was quite impressive. And the preacher from the U.S. Uh, uh, just spoke the word so clearly and I. I, I wondered the same thing, Pastor Roy. I wonder, boy, this is not, you know, the old English stiff upper lip, you know, like I thought. And you could even see some, the looks on some of their faces were like, oh, boy, what did we get in, how did we get into this? But, you know, it was powerful. And the thing I loved about it so much is in this day and age, for there to be a wedding of this nature and to, just to see, again, the holiness. Did you, did you pick up on that? The holiness of the institution of marriage and the sanctity of marriage, marriage, and I thought, how wonderful to see that displayed by, to millions and millions. Now, I had no intention of watching it, but as I started watching it, I did realize that this is unusual. I would recommend that you take some time, maybe not two and a half hours, but I mean, take some time and take a look at that, and I'll tell you, it was really wonderful to hear how uh, we were drawn back to the reality of how precious, uh, precious and how biblical and how godly marriage really is. And so today I, I, I want to talk to you about a, a number of things and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. And um, one of the reminder that reminders I want to give you from last Sunday is that God is so with you. He is 
really, truly with you. And he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. He has not abandoned you in any way, shape, or form. He so knows your situation. He knows what your home is like. He knows what's going on at your work. He knows those details. And you may just bite back and say, well, if he knows, why isn't he doing something? Well, he is. He is. You just can't always see it. And it doesn't always look exactly like you think it's going to look. As uh, Pastor Roy uh, alluded to, we often have gone in and been an interim in, in many uh, churches over the last five years in particular. And uh, one of the things we often say to the people is that, you know, the future is going to look awesome, but it's probably going to look different than you thought. It's probably going to look different than you envisioned. And that's where that thing of faith comes in, where we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to put my faith in you no matter what. Well, Pentecost. Well, it was a Jewish feast that took place 50 days after Passover when the death angel passed over the Israelites just before they left Egypt. And that's quite a story in itself, which we won't go into. But I'll tell you, Jesus is awesome because Jesus is our Passover lamb. When God the Father sees the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus applied to our sins, his judgment passes over us. There should be an amen in the house for that. Come on. Because that is awesome. When you think about it, God does not look at my filthy, rotten sins when I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. He looks at the blood, the judgment that I deserve, the condemnation that I deserve. He passes over. That is so fantastic. That is the essence of the gospel. That's the good news. And that is the message that Calgary needs to hear, that Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. We may not use those exact terms, but we know that that's exactly what he is. He is the one who shed his blood. It is all about Jesus Christ. And on Pentecost Sunday or any other Sunday or any other Monday or any other Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday, it is about Jesus Christ. It is about the Lord. And never for a moment think that our righteousness will count because it won't. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Filthy rags. So why would we dare come to the throne of God without understanding that, no, we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And that's why we have confidence that our prayers will be answered and God knows what he's doing. This next photograph on the on the screen, screen it, it may be offensive to some, and I, I find it ironic how, how this could be offensive, because in the real deal, I mean, you know, in the real thing, it would be an absolute mess. And Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, make no mistake about it, even though the artist's conception has a drop of blood here, a drop of blood there, and a drop of blood there, in reality, he would have been beaten to a pulp. It would have been beyond, it would have been so nasty and so ugly, it is beyond our understanding. Some people have even seen some of the Hollywood movies that have been put out, and they, and they talk about the passion of the Christ, and they show the flogging, and they show the crucifixion, and the, the, the slaying of the, of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is Jesus Christ. And some people have got offended, so, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. Oh, no, no, it was way, way worse than that, if we need to know. But my desire is not to offend you in some fashion. But if the word of God offends you, then so it offends you. That's okay. 
Um, some people say, well, I'm not going back to that church. It offended me. Well, are you kidding? If it offended you, that's a good church to go to. Amen? Uh, I mean, that's, uh, if you're never offended in church, you're, you're, there's something wrong. You should be offended. The Word of God offends us. The Word of God cuts to our heart and soul and causes us to say, oh, my goodness, that's me. I have to repent. I have to say I'm sorry. And that's the kind of preaching and teaching I'm sure that you're accustomed to. Romans chapter 9, verse 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. God forgive us for the things that we have added on to the salvation message of the Bible. Jesus' word, God's word says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I absolutely love the picture. My favorite picture, my favorite word picture in the scripture is when Jesus is dying on the cross and the, uh, the thieves on each side are hurling insults at him. If you're really the Christ, come off of the cross and save yourself and save us as well. We want to get out of this mess. And the one had a change of heart at one point, according to the scripture, and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, oh, too bad you couldn't have got to church. Too bad you couldn't have been baptized. Too bad you couldn't have given money in the offering. Too bad you couldn't have treated your neighbor correctly. He says, no, today you will be with me in paradise. And so we complicate the gospel. God forgive us. And yes, I know there needs to be rules and regulations and there are proper functions. I get that. I get that. I totally get that. But my friends, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Maybe there's somebody here today. You say, I have, I have never actually done that. I've never actually said, God, I believe that you are indeed who you say you are. I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord. I, be I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, Jesus. I actually believe that. I, I want to surrender my life to you. And I hope that if, if that is you here today, that you will actually do that and you won't put it off and you won't wait for any special moment, but you'll actually surrender your life to Christ here and now. All you need to do is a simple little prayer, simple little understanding. And uh, Jesus, I just receive you. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life. Help me, Lord, to live for you from this moment forward. I, I, I believe in you. I, I know there's a difference. I, I, I love the, the one uh, particular video I saw a number of times. And this one guy, there's some people doing some ministry on the street. And they're just praying for people. Maybe you saw this as well. They pray for people and, and, and pray for people to get healed. Just absolute heathens, you know, going along the street and uh, doing all the things that they're doing. And, and they they say, well, can I pray for you? He said, well, I've already done all that. I've already been to church. I've already done all, I've done all that stuff. He said, no, I have faith. I, I believe God can heal you. And so this guy, this street preacher, he prays for him. He's only been saved himself, I believe, six or eight months, less than a year for sure. And he puts his hand on this guy who has chronic back pain for many, many years. Uh, he, it's just debilitating pain, terrible stuff. And they pray for the guy. And he says, oh, sorry, I don't, I don't really... I'm sorry, man, I don't feel nothing. Maybe you saw the same, same video. And, 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 he, and he walks away, and they said, well, I, 
are you sure? And then he prays for him one more time. And the, and the guy, oh, sorry, man. And, he, and he, he starts walking away. And as he's walking away, the guy who prayed for him, he said, well, I felt some, something. I felt something, God doing something in that man's life. And to make the long story short, this guy comes back. And he's, he's like, what did you do, man? Well, what's the magic? My pain is gone. I, and he starts to uh, cry in the video. And, he's, and he's, he's totally heathen. He's using foul words that they had to bleep out. I mean, this guy has been healed by God. And he's not even talking like a Christian. He doesn't look like a Christian. I'm sure he doesn't smell like one. But God healed him. And this guy was just blown away by the power of God. I want to remind you that that same God lives. He lives and he actually is able to do awesome things in our hearts and in our lives. If we dare, if we dare, trust him. Nowadays, I know that there's such pressure on God's church, pressure on God's people. We preachers are, I'm not speaking for Pastor Roy at all, I'm talking about myself, but when I, we preachers sometimes are maybe a little reluctant to, to set the bar too high because we don't want to get the people's expectation too high because we know that the world seems to pound us down constantly. And maybe you're even sitting here and you're saying, well, you know, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I know God can heal. I know he can save. I know he can transform, but would he really do that for me? The answer is, yeah, yeah, he really will do that for you. The power to change is what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit is the change agent in our lives. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to see our lives changed. We cannot do it by ourselves. The Father has sent the Spirit to live in us, to be a help to us so that we can change and we can we can know the power of God and we can actually know his strength. You can't do it by yourself. And so why not surrender yourself afresh and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to come into your heart and life and to fill you to overflowing. We understand and we believe that when you're saved that the Holy Spirit obviously comes into your life. But we're talking about a baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a, a fresh infilling of God that will fill you to overflowing. Not so you can speak in tongues. That's not the purpose per se. Yes, you'll be able to speak in tongues, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is for power to be able to share your faith and to be able for God to change you and me to be something that he can actually use. I don't know, but I can make a confession to you right now, no problem. Uh, God's had to do a lot of changing in me, and, he, and, he's, and he's still working on it. And my wife, if she wasn't so kind, she would be saying amen, because it's the truth. There's a lot of changes that only God, the Holy Spirit, can do inside of us. I like what Dr. Richard Dobbins says. He said, until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, we will not likely change. <laughs> we will not likely change. We need to desire that and, and ask God to help because God won't force himself upon us. Why I need to change, why I need that change is because God wants me to conform to the image of of Jesus. We cannot do it by ourselves. We must welcome the Holy Spirit in this change process. Looking like Jesus. 
I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but oftentimes this has happens almost weekly in our home, uh, for sure. And something wonderful will happen, and God will answer another prayer. And I'll hear Betty Ann or Adam or, or Daniel, our 17-year-old, is at the uh, YC event as well. Uh, but we'll hear, especially my wife, she will be the one who will often say, just hear, maybe wherever she is in the house, she'll say, thank you, Jesus. And I oftentimes have kind of joked with her a little bit, and I've yelled over, don't call me that, you know, because <laughs> Pastor Roy got it anyway. I said, don't be calling me that. You say, well, that's not, that's sacrilegious. No, it isn't. Actually, it isn't at all. We are to be like Jesus. And even though she wasn't saying thank you, Jesus, as thanking me, the truth of it is, <laughs> I can see for some of these guys, it's like right over. But the truth of it is, my friends, we're to be looking like Jesus. You say, well, I don't even like sandals. No, I don't mean like that. I, I'm talking about how you will look like Jesus the way you act, the way you conduct yourself. Oh, I wish that. Don't you wish that you always acted like Jesus? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, on the way here this morning, I know somebody cut you off, and you gave him the royal salute, and you just, you, not that one, but you gave him a different salute, and oh, just not like Jesus, you know. You say, but Pastor Keith, he almost hit me. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, and we can get upset about stuff, and we can look so much like the world, Jesus put it this way, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't, have a, don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He goes on to say in John chapter 4, verses 37, thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love gardening. Anybody else? like gardening I, I really do i enjoy gardening i know i know it, it, but you know i found this over the years i've observed this in my family that when it comes time to prepare the earth and to run the rotor tiller and to uh sow the seed i find i am by myself in the garden i am by myself have you ever noticed that uh, i am all by myself and uh it's not that popular to go out there and, and dig out the stones and to dig the weeds and to run the rotor tiller and, to, and then to get down on your hands and knees and to plant the seed. It's dirty work and it's hard work. It's back-breaking work. And so there's not always a lot of family and friends that want to come along and say, can I help? No, I found that when it comes to harvest, it seems like people are, are quite willing to harvest, you know. People like harvest because even though it's hard work and we are thankful for those people who come alongside of us for harvest, we know that we need help in the sowing as well because without sowing, you're not going to get any harvest. Without planting, you're not going to get any, any wonderful 
crop four months up the road. And, and, and the word of God says, understand that in the spiritual realm, there, there is a harvest going all the time. Even though you and I didn't plant it, somebody else did. And we're able to reap a harvest. Many times when I've been able to go into interim situations, we are able to build on the good work that has been done by the people over the last decade or two in that particular assembly of people. And sometimes we will come in and we will see some instant changes. And, and sometimes people will say, wow, wow, wow. But the truth of it is, the, sow, the, 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 the seeds were sown by somebody else. And they were watered by the Holy Spirit. And we just happened to come along at harvest time. Sometimes that's what you're called to do, to come along at harvest time. Many, many people we have led to Christ over the years uh, in the hospitals and various places. We only pick the fruit, so to speak. We only harvest it. We didn't do any of the hard work of praying for them and seeking God and, and, and doing everything in our power to try to, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. We just had the pleasure of plucking the fruit, so to speak. And even in congregations like this, numerous times, we've been able to ask if there's anybody that wants to receive Jesus Christ. And, and we've seen scores of people saved over the years. But again, in many cases, it wasn't anything that we had done at all. It was done by somebody else. But at the end of the day, really, who cares? Because what matters is that the harvest is brought in. What really matters is that the work of God is done. The key for us today is this. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, we have work to do in God's garden. We have work to do. And some of it is hard work. Some of it is down on our knees. Some of it is picking out rocks. Some of us uh, have to get down on our knees and we have to sow seeds. We have to pull out the weeds sometimes very gently, very carefully. Many times a pastor and a pastoral staff, they are called to do that sort of thing in the body of Christ even. And it becomes very, very tricky. And then no matter how you pull it out sometimes, no matter how you deal with a, a weed that is infiltrated into the garden, there's other wonderful, gracious, beautiful plants around that weed that can get disturbed or even... God forbid, destroyed. Some say, as the scripture even indicates, there's sometimes wisdom to let the, let the weed grow along for a season until they can be sorted out closer to the harvest time. But you see what I'm saying, friends? We all need to be engaged in doing the work of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit is not simply so that we come together in a meeting such as this and we enjoy the blessing and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That is good and that is fine and that is right. But that is not the primary use of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It is for service. It is for doing what God calls us to do. And I must tell you, if I am able to sit here, and I am, and I'm able to do as I was this morning, praising God, yes, in the, my known tongue, but also in the heavenly language that God has given me, given me by the power of His Spirit, if that is the extent of my infilling of the Holy Spirit, I am really, really falling short of what God intended. Because what He really wants me to do is come into a place like this, get charged up, get strengthened up, yes, get involved in the ministry that is here, but the most important aspect is to get out into the world, into the highways and byways, into my neighbor's life, and allow Christ to be seen in me. 
young people, that's what we're hoping for. We have some young people here this morning. We have 5,600 people at YC, which I'll talk about in a minute. Pentecost, it's all about the power to change. How many times have I heard as a pastor over the years, people come in and sit down in my office and say, Pastor, this is what's happening in my life. This, I know I've got to change. I've got to do this. I can't seem to do it no matter what. I can't seem to break the habit. I can't seem to throw this thing off. Yeah, this is where the power of Pentecost takes place. The power of the Holy Spirit to be all that he has created us to be. Which brings me to YC, Alberta, sold out. 5,600 young people are there this morning. We got a text and some pictures from our 17-year-old even this morning. And uh, I'm going to be there later this, this, this evening. We're going to go there and... And Mike is a dear friend, the director, and, and we're going to go there and we're going to support them and observe also what God is doing. But I've also been praying yesterday, and I'm praying this morning, God, do something awesome. As, as Pastor Roy prayed earlier, and others have prayed in the service, like, God, do something awesome in our young people. I was telling some young people recently a moment of confession. I was just telling them, I said, talking about some of the things that we're facing in our society of how terrible it has become and how, and we were talking about it and they're, they're just young people and I told them the reality. I said, my generation has fumbled the ball. In many respects, we have fumbled the ball and some things have got right off the rails in our society and I said, it's going to be up to you guys to be filled with the spirit. It's going to be up to you guys to be used of God to do something awesome. It's, it's going to be up to you. I know sometimes it's nice to think, well, my mom and dad will take care of it, but mom and dad don't always take care of it. They want to take care of it, and sometimes their heart is in the right place, and we're not calling young people to start being disparaging about your parents or grandparents, God forbid. But what we are saying is that you have, this is your time. This is your time as, as, as the theme of YC this year. It is your time to be sold out for God like never before. Being sold out for Him. Those colleagues of yours at school, they're never going to hear Je about Jesus Christ in any other way except through the witness of the individuals they rub shoulders with. And that takes a lot of courage. And I su would suggest to you, it takes the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit to help you. I remember uh, one of my daughters in particular, uh, she was in a service such as this, and uh, I had the pleasure of pastoring her her whole life <laughs> because that's what happens when you're a PK. And so I remember, you know, encouraging young people in the same fashion, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that, yes, it could happen right here, right now. But more likely than not, it's going to happen in a private place when you're on your face seeking God. And it wasn't that long after that. I remember it was Alicia. She came and she said to me, she said, Dad, I was in my room. I was praying. I started speaking in a in a different language. And she was freaking out. I didn't really, I said, no, honey, that's the spirit of God coming on you. Just go with it. Cooperate with it. And she received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Again, not so that she would have particular gifts per se. The whole idea was that she would be empowered to live for Jesus Christ. What if? What if I dared What if I dared to actually plant a seed? 
you would most likely get a harvest. If you would go dig up a small corner of your backyard, if you're renting, just do it quickly and dig it up and plant a few seeds. If you would dare to do that, you would most likely get a harvest. You would most likely, and the word most likely upsets a lot of people because that's not 100%. And I want to just acknowledge, my friends, that there's always some risk when you invest. Even when you invest in the things of God, it doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. Oh, God will never fail you. But it still is going to look different than you thought it should look. But if we don't plant, I can tell you positively that you will not reap a harvest. You will not reap a harvest. God wants you to plant and he wants you to harvest. He wants you to be involved in what he is doing. Now, I realize that there is a slight contradiction in what I'm saying now than what I said earlier. But I'm counting on you guys understanding the difference. That God wants us to be involved now in what he has called you to. You see, you can have the best preacher in the world. But that person at your workplace, they won't listen to your preacher. At this point, they won't. They'll listen to you. Because they watch your life. You say, oh, Pastor Keith, if that's the case, there's trouble. <laughs> because I've made a lot of mistakes. And I've sometimes I've lost my temper at work. And I've kind of lost, I feel I've wrecked my testimony. And, you know, don't be so sure about that. People understand that people make mistakes. People get that. They are looking beyond that. They, they are, don't be so sure that you've lost your testimony unless you're really a nut. And if you're really nuts, then maybe. Uh, but if you're at all sincere, they actually pick up on that. They will actually let you speak into their life. You need to plant. You need to speak. You need to do what God has called you to do. I started reading a book. I was given a book yesterday called If by Mark Batterson. And I just started reading it last night, so there's not much I could put in the to the message about this, I added a tiny bit, and that's about all I could do. But one of the saddest verses in the Bible is from Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 17. Give Pharaoh of Egypt the title King Bombast, the man who missed his moment. You don't want that to be said about you. You don't want that to be said about you in your life. Oh, let's call so-and-so Mr. Bombast because he missed the opportunity. He missed, he missed his time. I'm convinced that God is very merciful and he has things for us to do. He has things for you to do. And it's not all about works, my friends. It's a joy to serve. I like the story about Starbucks coffee, a true story. Mr. Schultz had a chance to buy a very small Starbucks chain for $3.8 million back in, I forget the exact date, I didn't write it down here. And he later said of that decision moment, and I quote, This is my moment, I thought. I don't, if I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay in my mind for, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering, what if, unquote. 
Mr. Schultz had to give up his $75,000 a year salary. But five years later, after he bought Starbucks, it was worth $273 million. Not a bad investment for 3.8. And in 2015, Starbucks has 16,580 stores, 40 countries, a revenue of $4.7 billion. Mr. Schultz had to deal with the what ifs. He had to come to the point, he had to think about what if. And how many times have we missed an opportunity that God has called us to? Never mind the business world. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. And at the end of your life, your greatest regret won't be things that you did, but it will be things that you regret that you didn't do and you wish you had done it. And that's quite a sobering thought. Somebody did a study about this. In the short term, we tend to regret actions, about 53% to 47%. In the short term, we regret. And if that's where you're at, I understand too. In the short term, you regret. But as time goes on, you will look at things differently. And the study went on to find out that at the end of people's lives, 84% of people regretted inaction opposed to 16% that regretted something they did. Isn't that something? Isn't that tell us something? And the Bible tells us something about this too. The Bible tells us a lot about it, to put our trust in God, put our faith in God, to walk by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him and to, to take a chance and to reach out and to do all these things. And I head for a conclusion with this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I'm going to ask you to read that with me. Let's do it. Trust in the Lord. Nice and loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's the kind of God we serve. And finally, James chapter 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's got to be something that is accompanied by action. God wants us to actually do something. 5,600 people, young people, are in Red Deer right now, hearing the word of God preached to them, hearing it sung to them, they're being challenged in their faith in so many ways. And they're going to have a what-if moment. As they leave that place, they're going to have to make a decision. Now, is this just an awesome weekend? Or now do I actually go and apply this to my life, the faith that I've gained, the encouragement that I've gained, the hope that I've gained? Now, now do I actually take it to the next level and I actually do something with it? And I believe that that is what God wants us to do as adults and as people right here at Northwest Family Church here today. He actually wants us to apply our faith in an active way. I've already met, I'm only here, here two Sundays, and I've already met one of your faithful prayer warriors, and we're, we're, on, we're on her list already. It's awesome. There's something being done. It's not just, well, bless you, God bless you, hope things work out for you. No, I'm praying for you. 
I believe that God is going to help you. I'm seeking God to strengthen you. That is active faith. And that's the kind of thing that gives us hope. And we actively go forward. So what if? What if? What if you would actually follow through? My son had to deal with that. He had to deal with the what ifs. About a, two years ago maybe now, he got really, really sick. We didn't know this. He had been out on his own for many years, and about four or five years ago, he came back home. We said to him, come on back home until you get a wife. And so he came back home. I know he looks like a little guy, young, but he's actually 32 years old. He's old. Amen? But he got so sick, and he was on his floor in his bedroom. He told us the next day. He was on his floor in his bedroom, and he said, he thought he was going to die. This is his testimony, but I, I'm going to share this little piece of it. He was on the floor. Thinking, he, he said, I, I'm going to die. He was so, so violently ill. And while he was on the floor, so violently ill, God spoke to him again. Before when he was a young guy, but now also at this point when he's on his, on his floor in pain, struggling. And God spoke to him. I need you to go. I need you to go train. I want you to go into some ministry. I got some plans for you. I need your cooperation. What are you going to do? And he had a what if moment. He had a decision to make. Do I go back and I continue to serve at a, at a, at a, at a great job that he had at Home Hardware and he served there for a number of years and had wonderful influence uh, and wonderful uh, uh, rapport with the customers and all that goes with it? Or, or does he go, no, you know what? I got to cut loose there. I got to make some money and I got to go to college. And I'm glad to report, as I've already told you, he's done that. He finished that one year. But he had a what if moment. I had a what-if moment a number of times, a thousand maybe, in my life, and so have you, a what-if moment, you know, where you, you have to decide what you're going to do. I remember back in the day, I had a, a you know, a, I had a what-if moment. I, I saw this beautiful girl, and uh, when I saw this beautiful girl, this beautiful teenage girl, I was a teenager too, don't get nervous, and uh, so, you know, I saw this beautiful teenage girl, and, and I was a teenager, and, and uh you know, I had a what if moment. I'm going, what if, what if, what if I'd asked her out and she actually said yes? No, she wouldn't say yes. She is. Uh, maybe she would. You know, maybe she would. And so, so I, I started to, you know, kind of, you know, get to know her a little bit, talk to her a little bit, and finally, I, I asked her the question. I said, uh, I can't even remember what I asked exactly, except. Do you want to hang out? I don't even know what, what what we did, but it was it was a date, and she said yes. She said yes, and my son says hallelujah, amen. <laughs> and I've said hallelujah many times. The Lord's been good. I had a what if moment. But if I had just turned around and said, oh, man, no, I'm, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to chance it because it's going to hurt too much if she says no. She may say, I don't date ugly guys. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I, I risk. I had to take a risk. And because I took that risk, it worked out beautifully for us. I could tell you other stories of girls that I asked out before I met this beautiful lady, and it didn't go so hot. <laughs> you know, it was like, are you nuts? You know, it, it didn't work out. 
And so not always does it work out exactly the way you want to, but I'll tell you, those what-if moments that are actually from God, and that one was from God, those are wonderful moments where you really do have a decision to make. And maybe some of you have, even now, you're feeling the, 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 the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be reminded about a what-if moment in your own life where you had a, a decision to make and you had some faith, but you never coupled it with action and you just didn't do it and, and God called you to do this or he called you to do that, but you just, you just couldn't get around to it because you were afraid or something just stopped you from doing it. And that what-if moment came and that what-if moment left. And I'm not trying to bring up old hurts so that you hurt, but I'm trying to bring up something that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use in your life and to remind you that, hey, you're still breathing. You still have things that you could accomplish for the kingdom if you dare trust the Lord. If you dare trust the Lord, if you dare have faith, and you put that faith coupled together with action, what if moment are you avoiding? What if what 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 if moment are you are you are you just trying to step away from and you you can't do it because you no longer can get it where God wants you to be because you know it's going to cost you too much. One of the real dilemmas of our system right now is the Bible college that it costs with room and board conservatively twenty to twenty two thousand dollars a year to go to to go to a Vanguard College for a year of training. So a lot of guys go into debt. And so by the time they come out of three or four years of Bible college, they still have the call of God on their life and they want to go into ministry, but they've got 60, 70, sometimes $80,000 of debt. I had one staff member, he had $80,000 when he first came to us of debt. But we couldn't pay him enough to service that debt properly, but he made that faith step and it worked out for him. But scores of people, they come out of college and they have these huge debts and now they have to go work, and they say, well, I'll just work for a year or two, and they get into a job, and of course, they're gifted individuals, and they, they, they prosper, and next thing you know, they're making $100,000 a year, $120,000 a year, and now they've got to leave that to go to a ministry position, a starting ministry position that pays half of that, and their flesh is pulled, and that what-if moment sometimes is lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? The time to respond to the what if that God is calling to you is right now. That's the time. You say, well, it's so impossible. I, I mean, I just can't do it. Yeah, it looks impossible, but with God, it's possible. And I want to invite you. It's a little bit different. I know a little bit different we're talking about today, a little different. But I, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me for a moment. This is, I, I don't want to give a salvation call per se, but I want to ask the question. I want to ask the question, if there's somebody in the house today, you say, Pastor Keith, this is actually hitting the nail on the head for me. I actually have been wrestling with a what-if moment, and I just am so scared to do what I know I need to do. I'm, I, I just need, I need some prayer support. I want to acknowledge that that's what God is doing in my life right now, and I want to raise up my hand, and I want to be included in a closing prayer here today. Is there anybody here today, you say, that... That's actually where I'm at. I'm actually there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please hold it up for a moment just so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. You can take your hand down. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not going to embarrass you beyond the hand raise, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for these people that have raised their hand. Lord, you're speaking to them. They have something that they know you have called them to do. Maybe it's college training. Maybe it's something completely different. That's up to you, Holy Spirit. But we ask that you would have your way in their life. Lord, would you give them that sense of your spirit right now that helps them to know that they will be okay if they trust in you. If they will acknowledge you and trust you and walk by faith, you will see them through. It may look different than they think it's going to look, but you will be with them the whole way through. Father, thank you for this. Lord, would you bless this congregation? Would you impart a, a special blessing upon them? Strengthen them and help them. And Lord, for Pastor Roy and Marilyn, Lord, we pray for them in a special way. Lord, that you would empower them and strengthen them. Lord, lead them by your Holy Spirit. Speak clearly to them, Lord, as they endeavor to walk by faith before you. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Thank you for what you have done. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Pastor Roy. Thank you, Pastor Keith. What if? This is going to be a great week, right? 